TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. Welcome back to Hawk and Crowder. Appel, Solana, and Jimmy filling in for Hawk and Crowder who are at the Odyssey holiday party. They're having fun while we commiserate about the Dolphins' loss last night. Monday Night Football, inconceivable loss. Anna Beasley will join us at about 5.20 this hour. We'll go over last night and uh, some news on the Dolphins. We'll get the headlines in a moment, but some news. According to Ian Rappaport, Melvin Ingram has signed with the Dolphins. And I would venture to guess that will not be the only addition they make this week, considering Connor Williams is out for the year. Mike McDaniel announced today. With a torn ACL, I'd imagine they would bring in some kind of center depth. So, uh, yeah, it's that kind of uh, day of carnage today for the Dolphins. Uh, Mike McDaniel also saying that he's unsure if Tyreek Hill will play on Sunday, but he's been coaching Tyreek for two years now, knows how Tyreek operates, and he, of course, is saying that uh, Tyreek will make every effort to play this Sunday against the Jets. Um I'm kind of starting to feel a little better now that I get all these uh, thoughts out into the earth. I know that they're kind of scattered because when so many things go wrong last night, it's hard to kind of keep focus on one thing that did because uh, there's something in every phase last night, at least every phase. And, And I think, though, at the same time, as we've alluded to, that you can't lose sight of the big picture with this team. Last night sucked. There is no question about it. That is as bad of a loss as you will see. It's not just they lost to a team that they should beat, something that they've been able to do all season long, avoid these types of losses. But it's how they lost, of course. Um, But at the same time, there is still every goal in front of them. And I know that's a cliche, but they still control their own destiny in the AFC East. They still control their own destiny to get the one seed in the AFC. And I don't think that there is an unbeatable team in the AFC. I think they match up well with Baltimore. I think they match up well. Buffalo, especially at home. Um, Dallas, that defensive front might pose some issues for a banged-up offensive line. You hope that Teron Armstead and Robert Hunt will be back for that game. Unclear on what their status will be uh, this weekend against the Jets. But uh, Melvin Ingram signed. I would imagine, again, that they'll sign uh, another center to provide some depth in Connor Williams' Um absence. So uh, with that, let's get to headlines. Solana. Thanks, Appel. You're welcome. Sorry, I'm, uh, I'm fighting with somebody on the text line here. 305 oh, He's mad because I said Tua's out of the race for MVP. 
And uh, yeah, I believe Tua is out of the race for MVP. And he says that's the dumbest thing you can say. What if he ran the table and throws for 300 every game? Three touchdowns, no picks every game. He'll get it. And then he follows that up with he's not going to do that. But if he did, he should win it. So I'm like, hold on a second. You're arguing that if he puts up record numbers the last four years or the last four games, he'll still win the MVP while acknowledging what I'm saying, which is he's not going to do that. Offensive line is in distress. Cheetah's hurt. Like, that's why I'm saying he's out of the race because it's pretty evident at this point that the Dolphins right now are, are pretty banged up. So, yeah, if, if he – you know, if he throws for 25 touchdowns every game for the, the next four games, he's going to win the MVP. Uh, yeah, but that, that's why we're both saying we're acknowledging that he's not going to be able to put up those numbers. And I want to say something he should, about – He should be an MVP candidate, by the way. I, I just don't think he's going to be able to overcome um, Brock Purdy if they continue the track that they're on, Lamar Jackson if they con- continue the track that they're on. And I also think Tyreek Hill has had a better season at wide receiver than Tua Tungabailoa has at quarterback. That shouldn't be a hot take. So, and that's and that's what I wanted to get to. But first, uh, Dak Prescott, as of this morning, is actually the uh, betting favorite to win MVP, uh, followed by Brock Purdy, then Lamar Jackson, Jalen Hurts, Tyreek Hill, Mahomes, Josh Allen, and then Tua Tungabailoa. I think Christian McCaffrey is a little too low on this list, to be honest. And I think that's a similar uh, debate that's happening in San Francisco as we're having here. I think McCaffrey is the MVP of that team, but we don't need to talk about the 49ers. The Tua discourse remains exhausting for me, especially after a game like last night. And it's not just the people who wait for a subpar performance. I wouldn't even call last night subpar. It just wasn't as good as we've seen from him in the past. It was just kind of meh yesterday. Subpar, I consider like bad. He was just kind of meh last night. And the part that frustrates me about Tua discourse, number one, are the folks that will wait for a performance like last night when they've been hiding in the shadows for five, six weeks or the whole course of the season, waiting to pounce on the one shaky performance he has to see, ah, ah, see, see, I told you so. This guy, he's not it. That's garbage. But on the flip side, it's the people who think that he is immune to any kind of criticism. And any time that you say, make one critique of his play, that you are a Tua hater and you don't know what you're talking about. And I have been one of the biggest Tua supporters since he started with the Dolphins. And we could talk to Adam Beasley about that. Adam Beasley and I, off air, have had some shouting matches about Tua Tonga-Vailoa and his ability to play quarterback in this league. And that is a victory for me because I was right about that one. But that's the crux of the Tua discourse is that I was right because the people who are coming out of the woodworks after last night to say I was right, I don't understand the the thought process of, of going through this incredible Dolphin season, the best in two decades that they've had, aside from the Wildcat season. I cannot imagine watching this Dolphins team through that prism in just waiting to see if you have an opportunity to pounce and criticize and, and hate to a tongue of Iloa for a not up to standard performance but, that he set for himself. But, but Appel, I, mean, I get what you're saying. I don't, I don't think that's the reality of, of 99% of fans. I, I think that's 
the prism of, of social media where you see the overreaction and you see, you know, the, the people who just take it a step too far. But, like, 99%, I feel comfortable saying 99%, 100%, uh, 100% of my stats are made up. 99% of, of Dolphins fans who were going to the stadium last night, you know, maybe they're not the biggest two of fans. Maybe they don't think he he's the next franchise quarterback or whatever, but they're not actively rooting for the guy to fail. Like, that's just this type of nonsense you mm. see on social media. Because I see it, you know, I, I saw it with the Heat every year where everybody's out on Kyle Lowry. And if, if you would just base your thoughts on Kyle Lowry on the social media reaction from Heat fans and Heat Twitter – you would say, oh, my God, this guy's the most hated person in the history of this organization. And when he finally came back last year in the playoffs after missing a, a prolonged period of time, dude got a standing ovation at the Kaseya Center. So, like, I, I always put it in, in that proper context where the people going to the games, the majority of the fan base isn't feeling the way that, you know, uh, Bill from Delray, 69-69, fins up. <laughs> on Twitter is feeling where he's just like preying on the demise of, of an individual player. Like it's just, that's just people on social media. I disagree with that because he, and this is not just fan analysis. This is like national personalities who have been doing this with Tua more so than any other quarterback in the league. He is viewed through some insane prism that I will never understand. And it's because people were so dug in at the beginning that they refuse to give any kind of credit to him, regardless. And then when a shaky performance comes out, it's, see, I told you so. I told you he's not the guy. I told you he's not elite. And maybe he's not elite. But what kind of standard is that to hold? Not every – there's like three elite quarterbacks in the league. Like, what are we doing with that? It's, it's exhausting. The Tua discourse has and will continue to be exhausting because the goalposts always move, and then when he's shaky – we move the goalposts back to where they were originally, yeah. and we and we and, and they, it gets crapped on. I, I, you know, I agree with you there, though. Yeah, like, of course. The, the analysis has been ridiculous with two. I'm just talking about the people who used last night to say, "See, uh, I told you, he's he's never going to be a good quarterback. He's just a game manager." And like, I I don't think they speak for the majority of the fan base. But as far as the way he's been uh, covered nationally you know i you know i'm with you there bro like the way right. that the way that they do it on jet up like it, it it's a joke it's an absolute joke that's why i like dan orlovsky and dan dan i think is one of the the best analysts in the nfl right now he was great on the game last night i, thought, I actually enjoyed last night's broadcast me too it's a little we, it's a little weird hearing chris valor on an nfl game but i i i think that the three of those guys did a really nice job last night um, I, I think that they just like talk about the game like they would be if they were sitting next to us. And uh, I learn a lot listening to Lou Riddick uh, and Dan Orlovsky. Um, Joe Shad uh, just tweeted this out, and I, and I want to go through it because I think it it focuses on kind of what went wrong and what like one play here or there in the last four minutes uh, can change things. So just bear with me for a second as I go through this. So Joe Shad says, hey, watch the last four minutes back. Cater Kohu almost had an interception. No Jerome Baker, Javon Holland, hurt communication. Deshaun Elliott sidelined too, so he wasn't out there. Too safe. No extra pressure against a rookie quarterback in the last four minutes. Kohu was picked on the two-point conversion. No switch with Xavier Howard. Xavier Howard did not have a good game last night. Uh, Tua played it safe on that third and six. Had an option for Berrios. 
Eichenberg held anyway, so it would have uh, negated the play. Uh, the Hopkins crosser, Ramsey was in pursuit, Kohu helped. The abrupt movement penalty against Zach Sealer, which I thought Lou Riddick and Dan Orlovsky had the reaction of everybody else watching that. Um, Austin Jackson nearly beat for a sack. A-Chan, instead of trying to get out of bounds, I mean, it's so hard to criticize him in that spot because what's more important, getting that first down or, or saving some time? In hindsight, he didn't end up saving the time, and he didn't get the first down, so I guess he <laughs> failed them both. But uh, a when he first left that tackle, I thought you run straight ahead. You had that first down easily with yeah. his speed, but he decided to go and try and get out of bounds. Um, he didn't, and then the game ends on a fourth down sack instead of even a desperation heave. And that was just the last four minutes. That's not even talking about the Chubb penalty, which, a four, which was a four-point swing, the red zone play calling, the blocked field goal, the bad punt, the unsportsmanlike penalty on a 13-13 field goal on Blake Ferguson. Anything that could have went wrong for the Dolphins last night did, and they only have themselves to blame. It was a lot of self-inflicted errors, which has been the issue for them, not just this season, but last year too. And for the first time, I think we saw kind of – some of last year creep into the performance last night. All right, let's uh, finish up headlines here. Driven by the new Palmetto Ford Truck Supercenter. Why buy your truck at a car store? Palmetto Ford, we know trucks. If you're just joining us, uh, Connor Williams is ruled out for the rest of the season. And I just saw here that um, Ingram is signing to the Finns practice squad. Barry Jackson tweets out, not to the 53-man roster. Melvin Ingram, who I thought played decent for the Finns last year, Pell. It's 6X. Yeah, coming back to the team this year the heat will host the hornets tomorrow after beating them by two yesterday miami heat just tweeted out that bam Adebayo, haywood highsmith have been ruled out for the game so that makes it i think six straight now maybe five straight that bam has missed um after re-aggravating that hip bruise a couple weeks ago versus the indiana pacers haywood highsmith continues to be out with that lower back injury as well and I'm just expecting Tyler Hero to be out tomorrow also as he continues rehabbing from his ankle. That's a 7.30 p.m. start time. Tonight, the Florida Panthers, they're in action. They host the Kraken, 10 p.m. You can hear the puck drop right here on 560 WQAM. Doug Plagans will be on the call. Your weather from your Demesman and Dover Law Firm, call them 866-954-MORE. Youraccidentattorneys.com in the mid-70s, rainy and windy as hell in Hollywood right now. I know because Appel is going through it, battling the elements out there right now. Yeah. Um, thankfully, nobody has come up to us and uh, been disappointed looking for Hawk Crowder or Javon Holland and only seen me in Tree. But, uh, you know, being outside, I'll take this over, you know, 90, 85, 90 humidity. Oh, for sure. This is, this is nice. I'm wearing shorts. I got a T-shirt on. No for jeans sure. for me. I'm wearing the elements, especially, you know, I'm going to Green Bay this weekend. I have Woo! Bucks Packers up in the frozen tundra, the frundra. Uh, last week I was in Chicago. I think that I'm getting used to the cold. I'm a cold weather guy now. I'm a cold weather guy. So, Anna, when the temperature gets into the 30s, have you ever been to a place where it gets into the 30s? Have you I ever ha- had to do I, that? I have, and I hate it. I, how, hate, how many, I hate the cold, man. How many layers do you go with? Oh, uh, ten thousand! You should see me when I went when the Dolphins play the Steelers in uh, in the playoffs in twenty sixteen. Bro, it was like nine degrees outside. Mm, I remember that. Game. I had more. I had hand warmers in every single part of my body. Every single 
part of my body, I had hand warmers. Yeah. Even there. Even even there. Uh, it was freezing. And I'm, not, <laughs> I'm not even kidding, pal. I was wearing 72 layers. Yeah. I mean, I had I had about five on a, the beanie. I got the hand warmers inside. We got a heater in the booth. Uh, but you know what? I'm made for the cold. I think I'm made for the cold. I'm not. I am I am the biggest baby when it comes to the cold. Um, so you're gonna you're gonna be at Lambo? Lambo this week. First yeah. time at Lambo or no? Like the fourth time, I think. Wow, okay. Yeah, I'm a Lambo veteran. All right, yeah. A letteran. Kind of a flex by you, huh? I mean, listen, you know, there are certain places where you, you hear, Oh, you walk into Lambo, it's this hallowed ground, yeah. I kinda roll my eyes at that stuff. But like you walk into Lambo. And like you, you feel it there. Nah, like it is yeah, one of those places. Yeah, because you know I, I've been to pretty much every NFL stadium. There's like four or five that I'm missing. Lambo's one of them. And uh, well, what's it's the, awesome. What's the booth grade at Lambo? Oh, booth grade at Lambo is an A. It is. Oh, oh, it's a it's a great height. You're on like the 30 yard line, 35 yard line. It's it's phenomenal. Damn. Yeah, and it's always packed. Of course. How was uh, no pun intended? How was Soldier Field this past week? Um. I need that stadium to figure out what it wants to be. Uh-huh. Does it want to be an old-timey relic, or does it want to be this like futuristic-looking place? Uh, it wants to because be a relic. It wants to be a relic, 100%. It's an eyesore, and it's impossible to get around there, too. Like You, you park underneath, and I was trying to find my producer after the game because I have a buddy who's with the Bears, so I was going to go see him after the game and then meet my producer at the car. I could not find my way back to where we parked. It, it all underneath there. The garage is going 18 different directions. The press box is on the opposite side, on like the eighth level, away from the broadcast booths. Yeah. Yeah, enough of Soldier Field. But but the broadcast booth, A plus, A plus um, broadcast booth. I'm gonna go B minus on the broadcast awful. booth. Just in an Chicago. awful take by you. Awful take by you. I don't. I don't love. Well, the national booth is different than the than the visiting radio booth. We're on like the 10, 15 yard line, and it's not low, but it's kind of low by other standards of, uh, of other booths in the league. And you've got the section above goes all the way out. Right. So anytime there's a ball in the air or a punt in the air, you don't see it. You're just kind of going off of the players and how they're tracking it. But which they've makes got the big screen right in front of you uh, with the yard marker and the yeah, scoreboard, which, is, which was pretty cool, I thought, yeah. uh, every time we were in Chicago. Yeah, I mean, I like Chicago. It's a nice city. Went to a Blackhawks game on Saturday. Watched Connor Bedard. Lost a nice bet on Bedard. So that was fun. Um, yeah, I like Chicago. I might, be, I might be going back there at some point, too, uh, later on this season. But, yeah, Bucks and Packers uh, this Sunday from Lambeau for us on Sports Good USA. Going to have six six layers on for that one. Although it's supposed to be a little warmer than it was in Chicago this past weekend. So. Good luck. Good luck. That'll be 38 instead of 35. <laughs> Let's uh enough broadcast talk here. There's a couple of Do you think uh, people like that? No. I don't think they did. I don't think anybody <laughs> likes that. I don't think anybody's interested. Nobody in cares. Because bro- you and me, like our dream is to just do a show on broadcast booths. Yeah. But I, I don't get, get witty in for that. I yeah, I don't imagine anybody else actually cares. Even though broadcast booths, bro, sometimes are good, sometimes are trash. Let's uh let's give away these limp biscuit tickets. Um they're coming to I think Financial Amphitheater next summer. So we're giving away a pair of tickets each day this week for you to see them right now. Caller number, Jimmy, what caller number should we go with? Ten. All right, let's go with caller 14. Caller 14. <laughs> I'm teasing. I'm, ke- I'm teasing. Caller 10 right now to 305-567-0560. Caller 10 right now, 305-567-0560. You're going to get a chance 
to go watch Limp Biscuit again coming next summer. This is a Live Nation show. And I think uh, what's coming up next, Appel? Adam Beasley? We got, we got Adam Beasley from Pro Football Network. I, I, I go deep into the Rolodex every time I fill in for Hawk and Crowder, and I go, you know who would be great? Adam Beasley. And so Beasley will join us next here on Hawk and Crowder. Back with Bees. We apologize. This is the Hawk and Crowder Show. Holy mackerel. Hawk and Crowder. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. Back clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You said my world on even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Welcome back. Appel, Solana, and for Hawk and Crowder, little half day for the host of the show. Solana has to hold it down with me. It's a losing, losing scenario for him, unfortunately. And it gets even worse. Because now Adam Beasley joins us. I, I would just like to clarify, I, I wasn't forced in this situation. I chose this situation. I'm, uh, I'm thrilled to be working with you, Appel. I, well, I'd just you. like to point that out because I could be at the holiday party right now, too, drinking eggnog with, uh, you know, with some of my coworkers, but I chose to do the show with you, Appel. Instead of drinking eggnog with DJ Zog, yeah. you're here with me. Yeah. And now you're here with Adam Beasley, who – Joins us on the Toyota of Hollywood Hotline. Shop hundreds of Toyotas indoors in one of America's largest showrooms at Toyota of Hollywood on 441 between Hollywood and Sheridan. Um, Adam, thanks for uh, joining, as you usually do when Hawk and Crowder are out. Thank you for <laughs> keeping the bit yeah, going. Yeah. Real quick, real quick uh, Josh, uh, how do you have a half day when you work four hours a day? Hey, <laughs> take that out with Hawk and Crowder. I agree with you. And, and I let, mean, isn't let, it by its very nature a half day when your shift is four hours? So it's a quarter day. So they're working a quarter day today. And let's be real. Let's be real, uh, bees. We we do uh, pretty much half a show every single day, anyways. <laughs> uh, we mail it in in that fi- in this final hour. This is probably the first time. I'm not even kidding. This is probably the first time in I don't know, man, over a year that we do a live interview in the five o'clock hour. Probably probably like <laughs> three years that we do a live interview in the five o'clock hour. Wait a minute. Are you saying? That you replay things in the 5 o'clock hour? Listen, I'm just saying we haven't done a live interview in the 5 o'clock hour in a very long time. <laughs> well, Adam. You can, uh, uh, you, can, you can thank Mike McDaniel for that because he pushed <laughs> back his availability to 3. 
And so I had to push back my availability to you to 520. Well, thank you for making the time. And let's start with uh, what McDaniel said today, and then we'll dive a little more um, into last night's game. What were your takeaways from his press conference today? Did he seem to be in a good place? Did he seem to be the normal Mike McDaniel that you normally see at these press conferences? Well, he certainly seemed tired. Uh, I don't think he slept last night. I wouldn't imagine if he did, it was very much. Uh, He was uh, very clear-eyed about how damaging, embarrassing, bad, any other adjective you want to use to explain that loss that it was. Uh, There's no wishful thinking. Uh, You blow a 14-point lead at home in the last three minutes to one of the six, seven, maybe eight worst teams in the National Football League. Uh, with the one seed firmly in your grasp, uh, that's bad. And compounding the bad is uh, maybe your third most important offensive player, and Connor Williams is done for the year with a torn ACL. Uh, Not often that you speak so highly of a center, but you've seen their splits with him on the field and with him off the field. There is a significant drop-off from him to Liam Eikenberg at the center position. So it was not a fun day out at Miami Dolphins HQ. Beads, just getting into last night, um, what was it more of an anomaly? Everything kind of just went wrong at the very wrong time for the Dolphins? Or was it indicative of same old Dolphins? Here we go. In December, they're going to show us our true colors. Because I, I really felt... You know, my entire life, it's been same old Dolphins. If they gave us any hope in December, we we knew what was going to end up happening, right? But I really thought this team would be different. I still do, by the way. I thought this team would be different, but I don't know. Like, am, am I buying into fool's gold again? Uh, I don't think it's fool's gold. I mean, you don't get the 9-3 and three by, by luck. And they did deliver a win last year with their season on the line to get to the playoffs with their quarterback concussed. So... I mean, uh, I, I think you can separate the years of crap that, that existed under Sperano, under Philbin, under Gase, and to extend under Flores, although Flores played great down the stretch. They were just so far dead, gone, buried uh, in September and October that those December wins were kind of meaningless because uh, they, they, it wasn't enough to get them back into the playoffs. Um, look, I, I, I think what last night was was more of a reflection of what this team is, right? I, I don't think the, 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 the scripts they had last night had anything to do, uh, you know, with the 2017 Miami Dolphins, for example. I think what it had to do with uh, is a team that makes boneheaded mistakes, and they've gotten away with it by and large because their offense is so good, and then recently their defense is so good. Uh, they've made the plays when they've needed to. And last night was following that script, right? I mean, they played a pretty bad game up until, I don't know, what, seven, eight minutes left in regulation, whatever it was, when they had that just absolute gift Hampton from the Titans, that, that muff punt, quickly turned that into a Raheem Moster touchdown, a play later, Will Levis tosses the ball to nobody, they recover it, and they score again on a Moster touchdown. And we thought, oh, okay, yeah, so it is the same old 2023 Dolphins that, they're able to make the, you know, they have enough playmakers to make plays at key times to, to paper over their mistakes. Uh, and then the defense just completely collapsed. I mean, com- completely in a way in which I have not seen before. Uh, and I've been covering this team since 2008. Uh, certainly, you guys, I'm sure, have seen the stat. What is it, the first loss in 768 NFL games in which a team 
has led by 14 points in the last three minutes. I think I saw a stat. It goes back much, much, much farther. Uh, a team losing in regulation. Like usually, you're down 14, you, you blow it. it the, the team kicks two extra points. You get overtime, and if you're going to lose, you're going to lose then. Uh, credit Mike Rabel for thinking in you know, the 21st century mindset and going for two when they were they closed it to what was it eight, and then they made it six. Yep. Uh, it it created a scenario in which we saw happen last night that it gave them a chance to beat the Dolphins in regulation. And it's wild. I mean, any time the Dolphins could have made a play to stop that. They could have, you know, brought an extra blitzer and sacked Will Levis, put them in a long down and distance. They could have gotten off the field when it was goal to go in both those situations. They could have made a stop uh, on the two-point conversion. Or, you know, they could have picked up a first down when they had the ball up six with whatever how much time was left on the clock, not very much. Uh, Systemic, systemic failure across the board. Um, and getting a sack on fourth down, not even getting the ball off to, to try to save the game was just a snapshot of all that went wrong in that game for them. I, I want to uh, – you brought up how they approached rushing Will Levis on those final two drives. Are you surprised that they didn't heat him up a little more, and do you think it's because they didn't have Deshaun Elliott and they didn't have Javon Holland, and so you don't want to put your secondary and your coverage – in an even worse spot potentially than they were already in. Do you think that was part of the math that Vic Vangio was using in that spot? I think it had a large part to do with it. I also think it happened so fast. Like that last drive, people crushed the Bills, what was it, 13 seconds or whatever, that the Chiefs went the length of the field yeah. in that AFC championship game to, to, to extend the game, in which they won in overtime on the first possession with a touchdown. Uh the drive the Dolphins gave up last night wasn't as high profile. I mean, they had the national audience still, but it wasn't, you know, to go to the Super Bowl, but it was just as egregious. I mean, 64 yards in four plays. Um, if you're going to blitz, you better do it in one of four plays, because if not, they're going to be in the end zone, I guess. Uh, just staggering, man. I, I, I don't have an explanation for it. I, I do think that uh, being down their, 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 their top two safeties really hurt them. But nonetheless, guys, Jalen Ramsey was still out there. Yeah. Davian Howard was still out there. Cater Kohu was still out there. All three of those guys were victimized in the last four or five minutes of the game in a way in which you have, you know, the expectation is they, they make those plays. That's why the Dolphins have, I don't know, it's got to be the most expensive cornerback team in the National Football League to make plays like that in those moments. So, yeah, the, the uh, I mean, the, the safeties were bad. I mean, really bad. And uh, I know earlier in this program, um, Javon Holland was talking about maybe playing this weekend, uh, that would be a godsend for this team because uh, the safeties they had last night with the game on the line were not nearly good enough. Adam Beasley, Pro Football Network, covers the NFL, covers the Dolphins. Adam, I was saying this earlier, after the three other losses this year, maybe aside from Buffalo, I can point to one or two things that happened in the game and said, you know what, like this, at least this was good. At least this part of the game went well for the Dolphins. Yesterday, across the board, in all three phases, they had multiple, multiple miscues throughout the course of that game. And it's hard to pinpoint one thing from yesterday because it was so much that went wrong for them. And again, I I, I said this too, they got the result, honestly, that they deserved, even though they had it right there for them to steal one they probably should have lost anyways. That's as bad of a performance as I've seen from a good Dolphins team, probably 
well, there haven't there have only been so many good Dolphins teams, but you get what I'm getting at here. Like that was across the board yeah. a failure from the staff to the guys in the field in all three phases. Yeah, I mean, uh, a couple of things. One, that game was weird from Jump Street, right? Like, there there were three seemingly significant injuries, impactful injuries in the first five minutes of the game. And it was, was Tyreek got hurt, Connor Williams got hurt. Oh, no, it was Jalen Waddle. Like, Tyreek was later in the half. It was Jalen Waddle got banged up. Most Damian Howard uh, got banged up. Yep, and, and, and yeah. So they, they had a number of injuries that just got it off to a weird start. And then you just never really got your footing. I felt like they, they were off schedule, off balance the entire game. Um, you know, having your quarterback get in your hold 40% of the snaps doesn't help, right? I mean, when your offensive line, and again, it's crazy how, you know, history doesn't repeat, but it rhymes. The, here we are again in December talking about the offensive line for the Miami Dolphins maybe holding this team back. Um, that's by far the worst performance they had uh, of the season now. I guess if you want to look for silver linings, guys, there were two of them that you could take away. And they both had to do with the run game. They ran the football very well, and they stopped the run very well. Oh, you know, that's, that'll only get you so far. You know, they also forced a significant number of turnovers, right? They had a pick six. Uh, they, they had two fumble recoveries, although <laughs> two of those, both of those fumbles were kind of self-inflicted wounds by the Titans more than there were any great plays that the Dolphins made. Uh, but, you know, if, you, if you're the Miami Dolphins and you force three turnovers against the Titans and you rush for five and a half yards a carry or whatever it was, I don't have the stat sheet in front of me, you're thinking you're going to win that game, right? I mean, you're, yeah. you're thinking there's no way we're going to lose that game to a four and whatever they were, eight team with a rookie quarterback who was, by the way, we, Will Levis has bookended uh, his young career so far with spectacular showings and in the middle was kind of garbage. Like yeah. the whatever it was, the four, three or four snap starts he had in between his his debut and last night, he was a, I think a seventy two passer rating quarterback. He was bad, right? Um, you, you think you have all of those things lined up playing at home where the Dolphins had won seventeen of nineteen? This is a win. Uh, it just speaks to how weird of a game last night. The question I have, and I don't know the answer to, is is this a sign of things to come, or is this just kind of like a black swan event? If not for the Connor Williams injury, I would say, you know, just flush this and get ready for the, the stretch run. I, I don't know how they fix that offensive line with the current personnel. And, guys, there's no guarantee that any of, that either Robert Hunt or Teron Armstead are back for the Jets game. The Jets, you know, for all their faults, can still play defense pretty good. Um and and I think Hunt is almost certainly out with a what seems to be a pretty significant hamstring injury, and we'll see Armstead. Um, my guess is they would like to prefer not to rush him back, but all of a sudden, guys, this is a must-win game for Miami Dolphins. Yeah. It really is. I, you brought up the how well they were running the football last night, and I think that's the the most frustrating thing on on McDaniel's part that I saw yesterday. You saw what happened when they decided to run the ball in the red zone in the fourth quarter. They scored two touchdowns. McDaniel said after the game, the reason they lost is because they went two for five in the red zone. Well, in the first half, it was almost like he refused to run the ball inside the 10-yard line. They were throwing goal line fades to an injured Tyreek and a, and a Cedric Wilson on third down. It was, it was head-scratching, and it's emblematic of a bigger issue, I think, with McDaniel in these short yardage scenarios because there were some short yardage plays in the game where he handed the ball off and they were able to convert. It's like he, I, let me preface this. 
I think McDaniel is the best Dolphins coach in Tonshua. I don't think that's too much of a hot take. Yeah. Maybe Jimmy Johnson's yeah. in there. Yeah, that's fair. I think Mike McDaniel's the best coach the Dolphins have had since Don Shula. But there are little things that happen and have happened over his first season and a half here that it feels like he should be better than to make those mistakes. The short yardage stuff is inexplicable. It was a problem last year. It's a problem this year. And then he does the, the obvious thing finally last night, and it works, and it makes you scratch your head even more. What do you attribute this to? Is it him out trying to outsmart himself, outthink himself? Yeah, I mean, first of all, we don't know what play they were going to run on that batch, that botch snap. So uh, right. it's entirely possible that was a running play. But regardless, your, your broader point stands. Um, they throw the ball way too much in short yardage. And and here's, like, this this to me, I think, is beyond the offensive line issues, which are a different conversation. Just their passing game, it's two dudes, right? And their running game is two dudes. Their passing game is Tyreek and Waddle, and it's 70-30 Tyreek, 30 Waddle. And the running game is Mostert and HN. That is the totality of their offense. And those are four really good players. Let's not get me I'll get it wrong. I mean, those are four of the best skill position players the Dolphins had in a very long time. And, and they're top collectively, five in it is the in best group category. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're, those, those guys are very, very good. But what would this offense look like with a real tight end? And, you know, no, all apologies to Durham Smythe. What he does, he does well. But he has, I think, 20 catches in 13 games. Like, what, what would this offense look like? And I know they don't grow on trees, but with a Kelsey type, you know, uh, a guy that can get you – the easy throw across the middle. How many easy throws across the middle do they have when things break down? And that's really what the strength of Kelsey is. He just kind of, you know, he takes up space. And when when Mahomes can't find anything on the outside, there's this huge security blanket for them. Not having that threat at all really helps defenses a lot. It makes them a lot better. A lot of, it makes makes Dolphins a lot more predictable and makes defenses a lot better at stopping what they do. So if they had that tight end. Certainly, it would help in the red zone, no doubt about it. That's you know that's the biggest target in the red zone. But uh, to your broader point, I agree. The, the easiest way to score inside the twenties, particularly inside the five, is it wasn't just uh, you know Josh. They they were in the red zone five times. They were in the side the five five times. Yeah. And they got twenty points from it. You're going to lose most games when you do that. I think if they run the ball and had a tight end that could catch the ball in the in the red zone, this offense would look a lot different. Bees, we, we don't have a lot of time here, but really quickly, is Tua out of the MVP race after last night's performance? Yeah, I, I think he was on the fringe before last night, and and last night was it because no matter what stats he puts up the rest of the year, unless Tyreek doesn't play another game and, 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 and Tua absolutely shreds the last four opponents, they're going to say any success he's had is, is, is because of Tyreek. Uh, even if that argument, which I think is, I think it's a fallacy. I, I think they both make each other better. But he, even if that, that 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 argument, you know, didn't exist, his stats are still kind of borderline, and they haven't won a key game, right? Like, what 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 signature win do they have so far? Their signature wins a fifty point blowout of the Denver Broncos, right? And that's a great win. It's one of the best wins in the NFL this year. Uh, but it happened so early in the season, and that was not sustainable. It's not sustainable, but his production has dipped in the second half of the year. Uh, he's going to make the Pro Bowls, my guess, but uh, if you have a Tua Tungabailoa MVP ticket, you can probably throw it in the trash. 
Beasley, thanks so much, as always, for taking the time. Always a pleasure to talk to you on this very program. Always yeah. appreciate it. Yeah, and, and one, of these, one of these days I'll actually talk to the host of the show, and yeah, that will not. make me happy as well. <laughs> probably not. Probably not, right? <laughs> Thank you, Bees. Later, guys. That was Adam Beasley, Pro Football Network. Uh, and that'll do it for us here on the uh, Hawk and Crowder program. Appel, Solana, Jimmy, Tree, filling in the last couple hours for Hawk and Crowder. Hopefully uh, you all got some, uh, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is. Hopefully you got some sense of, uh, you, yeah, you, know, got, you got, you got, you got the, the frustrations off your chest yeah, today, you right? Go. You know, yeah, you, you work through the frustrations and uh, listen, it's, you know, it's been like, what, 20 hours since the, an epic collapse of Pell? We we got we to gotta push through. We got to push hey, through. Sunday, big game against the Jets. Yeah. Even bigger game for the Panthers tonight <laughs> in Seattle against the Kraken. That game you can hear right here on WQAM. Thanks so much for uh, joining us today. Hawk and Crowder will be back tomorrow. Solana, always a pleasure. Talk to you guys soon. You need to need, 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 need. That's all, folks. <laughs> You need to need, need, need. Path, path, pass. Take care, brush your hair. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. Back clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You said my world on and podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. It's better after investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. A left 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months.